2: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed.
4: From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and I'm Ken Napsuck, and today it is Force Center, scene by scene, our second scene that we're going to be digging into, and this was a runner-up to the poll we ran on our Patreon page. And today it is all about when Obi Wan met. Dooku, we're going to attack of the clones but before we do I want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by audible get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center over one hundred eighty thousand titles to choose from for your iphone android kindle or mp3 player as always we have a force center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us
5: that is right and we are recommending alphabet squadron colon shadowfall by alexander freed we are going to be reviewing it a week from right now now as we release this episode. So if you want to be all caught up uh, listening as we talk about our experience reading it, you should get this audiobook. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash 4 Again, that's audibletrial.com slash 4center for your free audiobook. But Enough about audiobooks for now. We're going to talk about films, another important part of Star Wars, along with audiobooks. Uh, Like you were saying, Ken, this is our second scene-by-scene episode, our first one. uh, We went deep into Ray's mirror cave. It's really fascinating to see which scenes uh, our listeners are gravitating toward. Uh, This episode uh, is not a mirror cave, but it is another small space that is full of mystery. There's half-truths, some full-truths, some manipulations. It is just all about... Dooku and Obi-Wan chatting on Geonosis. Uh, so we're going to look at some big picture stuff in the first half of the podcast. Then we'll go through the, the scene uh, beat by beat and talk about what is actually happening in this complex, beautiful little scene. So, but let's start back in the beginning. When you saw this scene in 2002 in the theater, what did you think of it? Did you like it? Did you think about it a lot
4: or did it just roll past you? Uh, I laughed at it. I laughed at it. Uh, Obi Wan's floating there, just floating around. He's got like force handcuffs on, and uh, I didn't like the name Dooku. And he said that it will be difficult to secure re- your release. And I thought he sounded stupid when he said that. And basically, this didn't match my expectations from the trailer. Wow, I didn't like 2002, and I'm glad I'm not that person anymore. <laughs>
5: <laughs> okay, wow, that's good to know. Good to know that how how far down the. Uh... Mm-hmm. The dark side, or the different side, you know, depending on uh, how you want to look at it. Uh, two thousand two was such a weird Star Wars time for me. In general, it was a very active summer; it was a really good summer for me. So I think I was just kind of in a good mood as a human being. Uh, but I loved Attack of the Clones uh, much more than anyone around me. Like I laughed at the Sand Line. I, you know, I had critiques of uh, <laughs> Anakin's uh, uh, style of romancing, all that stuff. But I was so in it largely for the action, but also even more the lore. I say the action because, you know, Phantom Menace came out and I'd been dreaming for years what it would look like to have a bunch of Jedi. And like, oh, it was really cool to see Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. But, you know, all those other Jedi just uh, sat around and were mean to a kid in a room. They didn't ignite any lightsabers in the Phantom Menace. So I was so excited for Attack of the Clones for... uh getting to see the larger galaxies, seeing all the jedi in action but the lore was the big thing for me and this whole chain of padawans that we learn about in this scene and i loved uh obi-wan as a character spending more time with him i loved his flair in this scene we'll talk about the line of like yeah, well i hope you can uh, release me quickly i've got work to do uh, i thought it was great um and just i remember in the theater being really intrigued by the star wars poetry uh, which we will talk about, of course, of the the callbacks of uh, I'll never join you. You know, and at the time, sometimes I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. I've got a bad feeling about this. You know, everybody's got to say it. And, you know, I wasn't sure as I was sitting there watching it if I liked that poetry or if it had meaning or if it was just kind of sitting there. But big picture. Oh, man, it's it's Obi-Wan's adventure. It's a uh, great actor, Christopher Lee. Uh, I really like the visuals of the uh, the blue Jedi handcuffs floating in a circle. So this is a scene that I've been uh, invested in for a long time. And it's really fun to come back around years later and really kind of dive into it with the perspective that we have uh, on Force Center. And I'm fascinated to hear about your, your changed perspective.
4: Mm. Yeah, I wish I could uh, remember exactly the moment. And there's some stuff in it that we'll talk about that did grab me. But as was the style of the time, I looked around and went, "Yeah, I mean, right? That's stupid, right? Does anyone? Oh, no <laughs> one else. I think it's cool with me. Okay. Um, there was a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, there was at one point. Um, I it means with within this five year range now, Joseph, where I just, I just remember watching the scene one day and went, "Wow, all that's there, and this is creating questions and feelings and reactions in me and." and Ah, wow. Swing and a miss, Ken. Swing and a miss. And I've uh, just grown to love this scene. It is absolutely one of my favorite in Star Wars.
5: Wow. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's dive into that. Why do you think that so many fans are drawn to this scene? This is one that comes up a lot. It is one that you mention a lot. It's one that I mention a lot. Obviously, it, it you know was a close runner-up in our poll to uh, raise Mirake for the first scene that we really uh, dive deep into. Why do you think this scene is, uh, if not
4: beloved, uh, so intriguing to fans? I, I think some of it comes from a, a real strong appreciation for prequel era Obi-Wan, appreciation for Dooku growing, and then, you know, there's fans like me who's feeling that it has changed or they've been more uh, accepting of of things, and, and so they want to talk about it more, and speci- especially with Dooku. I think Dooku, especially, you know, 24 years old for me or whatever it was, um, sitting there and a and, and the character's name is Count Dooku. Like, I I was you know he, he forced away because i was laughing at captain fastman too names uh, usually i don't like them and then i grow to love them because <laughs> that's how it works something new is unfamiliar so i think a lot of a lot of us might have been living in that and so the appreciation of of duco as a character has grown as as those delicious layers roll out who he was separatist and this is even before we get great uh, merch uh, merchandise well it is merchandise um stories like uh, dooku jedi lost and some of the stuff the clone war stuff even um hadn't been there yet so that uh, the appreciation has grown and that starts pulling people into it and then the big picture of the star wars story grows as we get more stories and this scene just i don't know this just kind of has um this kind of has it's it's part of that tapestry it, it's a big part of that tapestry so and, and it's uh it's intriguing uh there's delicious what ifs uh, you get to mention of Qui Gon, all the things we're going to talk about, and and my big thing is it it really plays with your trust, and so you're you don't know quite what to think about the scene, so therefore it becomes more intriguing. Yeah, yeah, I think
5: uh, I think those all great things, well said. I think it uh, obviously there are people who grew up with the prequels, and this probably this scene had a strong place in their heart because of that it is a if you're an obi-wan fan uh you know super into obi-wan it's a great little obi-wan scene for both some victories some great obi-wan mood and attitude and lines and some uh, moments of uh obi-wan does not necessarily have his uh have himself centered on what's going on um we'll definitely talk about that i think there's also just um There is a delicious ambiguity. Delicious is clearly the word of the week here on Four Center. Um, But there's this uh, ambiguity and confusion about what exactly Dooku is up to. And that's what we get questions about a lot when we ask questions of, like, did Dooku really mean this? Why did Dooku tell him so much of the actual truth about Sidious? And we're going to dive into all that. But I think that's a big part of its allure is that it it does actually ask you to really. uh, interact with, engage with Dooku's actual motivations. Mm-hmm. And another part of this for me is I love Attack of the Clones. It often ends up on, you know, the bottom of people's list. For me, it's one of my favorites in many ways because uh, it's just so different and rich and has all these different kinds of scenes. And I think this one is really different because even though I love Attack of the Clones to death, I think it is the film where Lucas was either not as engaged with the actors or as he has said himself in interviews wanting a little bit more stylized dialogue that's a little bit more like an old you know serial film this is two great actors delivering like a scene that could be an absolute acting 101 uh, class scene of like here's here are the lines the lines aren't necessarily what the actors or what the characters actually mean so you can interpret it lots of different ways. And, and a lot of the meaning is in the subtext. So for attack, the clones, one of the movies that gets hit the most for acting, this is two great actors doing an amazing acting job. And I think that's one of the other things that makes this scene really pop. Hmm. Yep.
1: Slash
4: yeah. back to that line. I hated now. It's one of my favorite delivered lines. And so, <laughs> Oh, the, uh, the exit line of about uh-huh. securing your release. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Uh, My final big picture thought on why people are are, um, intrigued by it is I think what the scene is, is just kind of a total of verbal chess game. I think it is both of them feeling one another out, mostly Dooku uh, moving the chess pieces. But it is we don't have a ton of scenes like this, like the scene that basically directly precedes it uh, is the manipulation of Jar Jar which is not a chess game so much as a checkers game, <laughs> right? Where they're just like, well, if Amidala was here, she'd be upset about the Trade Federation being involved with the separatists, and she'd, uh, you know, vote for the chancellor having supreme powers, you know, emergency powers. Too bad. <laughs> uh, and you go right from that to this subtle uh, dance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, gives it a different tone entirely. Uh, let's uh, go into some more details. Uh, when we were, talked about doing these scene-by-scene scene episodes, I thought that we would really, you know, stay in the scene. But then as mm-hmm. soon as I got to wanting to talk about them, I wanted to talk about what was happening before <laughs> yeah. to set up uh, how, how characters are, are feeling in the scene. So let's talk about Obi-Wan. Before the scene actually begins, Obi-Wan is on a mission, specifically to just find out who is trying to kill Padme. And then over the course of that mission, he discovers a massive clone army that has been ordered by a dead Jedi, another army of droids, and a powerful conglomerate of financial interests uh, backing the Separatist movement, all of which is led by his master's former master, the once-honorable Jedi, Count Dooku, since that is everything Obi-Wan is going through when he is uh, sitting there spinning in the containment field, how do you think Obi-Wan is feeling? What is on his mind? How is his
4: day going, Ken? <laughs> uh, Obi-Wan's very good, and very bad, no good day, right? Uh, I go back to Kamino when he's sitting there and he's getting all this information and he's playing along. He's yes-anding as best he can. <laughs> and I just get the sense that he's feeling overwhelmed behind the story, lost and trying to keep up. while while doing his job and keeping to the investigation because he's got to assume there's a connection and but it's 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 just spiraling almost out of control so fast that i think there's just confusion in his day that what is happening a jedi master order these clones what's going on and uh, he's learning it he's investigating it but he's trying to keep up
5: Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think that makes a ton of sense. I think that there is, even now in this era of Obi-Wan, there is a sense of, a little bit of a sense of whimsy and a sense of play and a sense of like, oh, but did you uh, uh, think to think of it from this other perspective? So, which I I think comes from Qui-Gon, comes a little bit from who Obi-Wan is. But I think along with that sense of like, oh, well, let's be a little uh, manipulative. Let's turn the tables a little bit on our opponents. I don't think he's quite the master of that, uh, that he becomes, because I think right now he's still a little bit of that, um, the Jedi company man for lack of a, a better term. And it's been expanded a lot in books, but it's even there in the movies where Phantom Menace, he's just like, Hey, Qui-Gon, the greatest thing you can do is be on the council. And if you stop saying weird things and just mm-hmm. listen to the council and just like one plus one equals two, that's what the council said. That's what we do. What's the problem? Let's go. I think that's there's a, a part of of Obi Wan that is still very much like that. Even going back to that little fight he has with Anakin about what their actual mandate is. Are are they just there to protect Padme, or is it implicit in their mandate, implied in their mandate that that they should investigate? And even then he kinda he he you know, he jumps out the window and he presses it and then he gets the official assignment. So it, it's interesting for me to think of him from the perspective of like I have a specific assignment. Who is trying to kill this politician? Ugh, politics. And then <laughs> what he finds is this massive, confusing plot where it's confusing. Are the Jedi just the good guys? And if so, who 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 are the bad guys? Who is trying to do what to who? Why is it all entangled? And I think it has to be really challenging, this desire he has to just think, the council's very wise. The council's on top of everything, and there's got to be a simple answer. And I think he has to be really accepting. Wow, there's no simple answer, and it's only going to get more complex once Duku starts working on him.
4: Yeah, and again, this is just to get to that scene. All of this is in his head, and now here comes uh, you know Duku, a master of words and emotions. Wow, it's a it's a duel. Yeah, yeah, and
5: and I think uh, I think poor Obi Wan's uh, going to have a lot to learn. Uh, Let's look at from the Dooku side of things. Before the scene uh, begins, Dooku is really close to moving all of the pieces into position to start the Clone War. Uh, He has almost successfully got Padme killed, which is what the Trade Federation is asking for in order to officially sign on to the Separatist movement. Um, He's just about got the uh, Corporate Alliance in the Commerce Guild to sign the treaty. All of this is, of course, in service of his master Darth Sidious' plan to start a war. And now Obi Wan just comes muddling into it because he's chasing Jango Fett because of the dart ah oh, BS. At this point, what do you think Duku's concerns are when he's like, "Okay, we got Obi Wan. I've heard of that guy, Qui Gon's apprentice. Uh, I've heard some good things, but let's 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 go see. I got all these other uh, things that I'm working on. What's on Duku's mind when he's walking in?
4: I I first of all I love taking it from this angle on Duku of just like. Uh, the, the, you're so right. The scenes before he's literally making the sales pitch. Don't worry. You sign on. I got 10,000 uh, 10, troops and systems. Worry. <laughs> Come on, join in, get in on the ground floor on this thing. I, I choose to believe he's has some, some, uh, if not a ton of genuine surprise that Obi-Wan is there. So I think there's some worry about the Jedi have caught up to him and to Sidious or the plan. And could that uh, expose anything? And how much do they want of that? Uh, this is going to come up a lot, but Dooku values power above all else. Christopher Lee refers to him as amoral. Uh, light or dark doesn't concern him, it's power. So I, I do believe that, as we're gonna discuss, there's some sincerity in his offer to Obi-Wan there. And and what you're you talk about his concerns. I also think because he's, the sales pitch is still going on, and, and this this war needs to happen, right? This is this is the war that's sort of planned from Sidious and everyone. Uh, he knows the allies around him are, are weak. They're weak minded, especially those Nemodians, uh, as we are specifically New Gunray, as we saw from Queen's Peril or Red and Queen's Peril. So I think there could be a fear of if they're if they feel that they're going to be exposed or confirmed to be in league with all this stuff going on, that they could be scared off, if that makes sense. You know, if yeah. you're like, hey, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. I got a secret. And then someone's itchy. Someone's like, I, I don't know. I could just stay over here kind of neutral and let things play out. And if Suddenly there's a Jedi here. I'm out. I'm out. I'm taking my chips, taking my ships and my troops and I'm out. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think that's,
5: uh, yeah, I think uh, I agree with you. And this will come up more as well that I think Dooku is trying to follow his master's orders. But it, as is the way of the Sith, there's always like, unless it's suddenly I see a better option. <laughs> Uh, right. So I think he's he is definitely thinking about it for himself. I think he is, you know, he's close to getting all of the uh, separatist uh, puzzle pieces where they want them. Um, I think that he just had a, a talk with Jango Fett, too, um, and said, okay, what's going on with this Jedi? Founds, finds out what Jango Fett knows, and I think there's a... I, I want to find out how much Obi-Wan actually knows and see if he's a problem. And... And, or, or if there's a way I can manipulate him to our advantage. And I think uh, a question that comes up a lot with Attack of the Clones is exactly how much of the events did Sidious and Tyrannus, uh, Darth Tyrannus and Dooku, how much of it did they plan? And how much did they like, oh, okay, we didn't expect them to discover the clones that way, but that'll work. We'll work with that. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's a desire from the Sith to be very reactionary to the situation, that they have moved almost all of the chess pieces into position with the creation of the two armies, with the um, getting the actual legitimate grievances with the Republic to boil over into an organized group of systems actually walking away and installing Dooku as the political, charming political leader of that. And all these chess pieces are in place. But I think what they really want and what they get in Attack the Clones is they want the Jedi and the Republic to move the pieces, right? They don't want to be seen as being the ones who started it.
4: Yeah, and this... Oh, yeah, sorry. Well, quickly, uh, you talk about Tyrannus. This is why it's its really intriguing to have this style of villain coming off of Maul, right? Right. Maul wouldn't be doing this. <laughs> He's screaming. Cut you in two. (laughs) I have Dooku, who is you forget. You almost forget. We refer to him as Dooku more than anything. You you almost forget he's Darth Tyrannus, right? So buried in his in his the way he acts. Yeah,
5: because like Obi Wan has a big uh, part of the picture uh, because he was told that this uh, Tyrannus guy is the Mm -hmm. one who recruited Jango Fett, you know. But he doesn't, you know. Uh, he doesn't necessarily put all the pieces together uh in time but I just feel like for this there's the like individual okay well what does obi-wan know is it a problem can I get any other advantage out of it for myself or for my master's plan and then also like hey um events are happening fast got the clones lined up mostly got the separatists and the droids lined up but What little pressure point are we going to push to explode this into a war? And I think that's got to be on his mind, too, of like, is there a way I can play this? And I think, you know, by the end, the way to play it is, "Ah, you know, I'm going to I'm going to put Obi-Wan in danger and see if that um, forces the Jedi to do something that they know they shouldn't, which is attack. Attack. Yeah. And they do. Hence the title of the film, in my opinion. Anyway, uh, that's a whole, uh, is, is it attack of the clones or defense of the clones? A very mm-hmm. large and fun discussion, but I think this is a little piece of that. Um, I also just want to talk about some of the uh, both sort of uh, cultural hints and the uh, aesthetics, which uh, are part of the cultural hints of the scene big picture before we start going into the, all the details. So this is an interesting scene because both Obi-Wan and Dooku are coded as being honorable And sophisticated. Uh, You were comparing it to Maul. Maul's got the silky voice, and we learn later that he is capable of uh, coming up with uh, plans and being devious Maul. But when we meet him in Phantom Menace, he's, uh, how many Jedi can I kill? (laughs) Growling, demonic Maul. These guys are both sophisticated. Their accents, in real-world terms, are uh, received pronunciation. They're the mid-20th century, uh, generally, you know, uh, British... This is how a trained actor, a trained BBC presenter, speaks. Uh, there's that literal connection in that Ewan McGregor is imitating Alec Guinness's voice, who had you know a direct relationship with Christopher Lee, being actors of the same era. Then you have Christopher Lee himself, who is you know a venerated uh, thespian. He's playing an actual count, somebody regal in the world of the movie. Obi One is a noble Jedi Knight, so there's all this information that these are two. Civilized, sophisticated higher society gentlemen, how does that inform what 's going on in the scene even on a subconscious level to you
4: well, sir, these are just gentlemen solving their problems in the study that's all <laughs> is. interesting I, I I rewatched the scene a few times this morning and i specifically rewatched it with this question in mind and it's a it's a it's it's interesting self reflection because it leads me me capital me. To want to trust Dooku, Obi Wan, I love, I get him. I've been, I spent forty years of my life with Obi Wan as, as a fan. Uh, with Dooku, I just wanted to trust him more. Uh, that certainly shows a bias uh, and a preconceived notion thing with me that um, it based, you know, based uh, on upbringing, choice of uh, your personal presentation. Uh, you, you know, a cape. I guess I fall for capes <laughs> and well pronounced English words. And so maybe I want to believe over what is actually happening in the scene. So imagine Obi Wan in that spot, you know.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a power to me that I, what I really like about Dooku is this different vision of the dark side. We see the cackling warped face of uh, Sidious and the emperor. We see the, you know, seething, you know, rage of uh, Maul. Dooku is the gentleman monster. Dooku is the guy who is saying, you know, please place the salad fork on the proper place on the table while I'm severing the heads of these people over here. And let's talk about the salad fork. Not what I just did, because to not speak about the salad fork would be impolite. He's really got that air of, I can control the room in lots of different ways. And being sort of erudite and being coded as higher class really adds to him that level of like, well, we're speaking politely about respectable things. And I guess some of what we're talking about is the potential of war and thousands of people dying, but we're talking about it in respectable tones. It's this great kind of manipulation and I, I think has some of these real world rhythms of uh, the reality throughout history of a lot of times. It's been, you know, high class people who speak properly making decisions in small rooms about how a bunch of <laughs> boots on the ground are going to go. and. And about how a bunch of lives are gonna go and having this sort of polite discussion
4: over the fate of a lot of other people. Yeah, I think that's one of the things looking back, uh that's it, changed for me is is what they're discussing and this is why I love the Dooku keeping to this oh, what? Oh, unbelievable and, and oh, it'll be difficult to secure release, but I certainly will try. And just and I get, and, and and the layers behind it. Uh, this would be a great scene to uh, grab a scene partner and audition for a theater company, right? Joseph, you, you ran a theater company. Well, you, you'd clearly <laughs> totally take me if I uh, did this scene. And so this <laughs> is so powerful. But this is, goes back to even my what I was saying about myself. It's like I want to believe something over what is actually being told to me. You know, what they, someone reveals who they are to you, believe it, right? And here's Duke really <laughs> saying all of it. And I'm still in my head. I'm like, well, you know, he might be good.
5: I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And even on, even on Obi-Wan's side, uh, and I say this, of course, with deep love for Obi-Wan, he is really coded as the noble Jedi Knight, even to his introduction to us in the real world, when he tells Luke about who the Jedi Knights were, they were the guardians of peace and justice, you know, in, in the better days, basically. And still here, is he's, he's the hero who's trying to do the right thing. And, he is out of his depth in this scene, in my opinion. And there's this interesting tension there of sometimes the people that we code is, you should be trusted, you are noble, you are the hero. Sometimes those people don't know what the hell they're talking about either. Right. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah.
4: Don't fall those pronunciations.
5: Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about just the general aesthetics. So Dooku is walking toward the chamber. It's a relatively quick shot, and we see this beautiful cathedral-like space that is carved into the rock. Uh, and I paused on that a couple times. I paused it by accident when I was studying for trivia. And I was like, damn, I want to just print that and put that on my wall. It's a really beautiful shot. Um, what do you think this, just seeing this little bit of aesthetic, we know that uh, George Lucas really likes world building. He likes uh, figuring out, like, well, how would it? How would this uh, culture You know, basically anthropology. How would they live? How does that affect who they are? Um, Mm -hmm. So there's that at work, but beautiful cathedral-like space carved into rock. What does that aesthetic tell you about the Geonosians or the scene we're about to see?
4: I think in terms of the scene, we're about to see a little, you touched on it there, just this beautiful, uh, touched on a little earlier, this beautiful landscape and everything, but down here, something uh, big, important, and, and kind of down and dirty is happening, uh, you know, and, and, and it's kind of this secret room, uh, they are in the study, figuring it out, but I, I one of the big picture things is, uh, the Geonosians as, as a culture, and, and their involvement with the separatists and the movement and of the Lesser and everything, interesting, interesting, beautiful, unique culture, and the Empire just simply erased it. And that makes me more upset at the Empire (laughs) when you really kind of look at it. Uh, Because I'm not completely saying, hey... uh, uh the archduke uh, the lesser there wasn't bad or didn't cast his lots with the wrong side but i'd love to know the whole story and what they felt and how they got to that part part and and they've clearly been there for a while it doesn't look like they those aren't condos that sprung <laughs> up overnight and and so all that kind of factors in but beneath it all is this ugliness that's potentially going on and and that's something that uh, shines through when you look at the moments before as, as Duca walks in
5: Yeah. Yeah. I love everything you're saying. Those are not Geonosian condos. Um, Yeah. It's, there's this interesting and fun tension with the Geonosians that in the movie, they are, they're definitely bad guys. They are doing bad things and torturing people and uh, they uh, kill people with big monsters for sport and fun. (laughs) Not, not great. Um, And they're even like, yeah, uh, Anakin just hacks a couple of them just straight up in half. Like, So in some ways they are like, these are the villains, they're bug people, they're bad. Uh, But then you look at that, what they built, and it's like, that's a whole culture. That's a whole way of life. And it's kind of, you know, beautiful. Um, And it's beautiful in this very specific way that we know that there is this uh, foundry. Um, You know, Obi-Wan has even already seen it at this point in the movie. Uh, So there's this high sense of them being technologically advanced, but like carving beautiful spaces spaces that look meaningful into rock has this classic star wars uh the tech meeting the very old and organic and natural uh so it it you know just has that great sort of aesthetic intention to it and then just the way it's built uh it's very shadowy right and there's something about that space uh all those just kind of little dark um entrances honestly that just feels like you don't know what's lurking in there, yeah. And it gives it that sense of, like, you you don't know what you're dealing with. Anything could be lurking in the shadows of those little uh, rock caverns.
4: Yeah, and I love crawling around the that map in Battlefront 2. But I'm going to think about all this the next time I'm there. The <laughs> shadows I don't know what's there. Yeah. Huh.
5: Extremely challenging map on Battlefront 2. Too big. Too big. <laughs> it is big. You spend most of your time running around. But anyway, this is not our Battlefront 2 uh, critique the Gin <laughs> Ocean level podcast um want to talk just a little bit more about the big picture aesthetics so once duku actually enters the chamber uh, the the room where it happens uh, for those hamilton fans listening we see that the chamber is a uh, very circular there's a low light obi-wan is suspended in that uh, containment field a misty blue with constant little flickers of lightning he is rotating in it and then duku is also walking around him and he is moving in and out of shafts of light which means he's moving in and out of literal light and darkness. How do all of these aesthetics inform how you feel about the scene?
4: Uh, You're you're listing this, all these things that make you just excited when you really connect with the scene and what it means and how it was presented. And when I talked earlier about me not liking and kind of poking fun back in 2002, part of it was at one point I, I, I think it was a trailer, right? I don't know. It all melds into one thing, but scene, there was a shot of Obi Wan captured, right? Mm, and it didn't yeah. kind of like, oh, ooh. expectations, speculating, responsibly, all those things we've been talking about for years, which are part of it and they're fun. But I don't know what I thought. I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't expecting uh, two gentlemen in the parlor <laughs> talking about things and everything. The 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 shock compositions and the shadows and light and all these wonderful things. They they're they're very present and they're very purposeful and I like it. And and I I to me love this image of Obi-Wan. To me, he's completely exposed. He's floating in the middle of all of this, literally, all the things we just described about Obi-Wan, confused, overwhelmed, trying to keep up, new information being tossed at him. Also, he's still got the Padme stuff he's investigating and, and the Jedi and, and and now Qui-Gon's being brought up and everything. And it literally is just all around him and he can only float in the middle of it and try to figure out what's going on. Uh, and I, I just, I, that I really love that visual connecting to the themes.
5: Yeah. Like that. He literally has to like uh, crank his head back to keep his eyes on Dooku because he is, you know, involuntarily uh, being turned in a circle. And it's, it's like this very literal, um, different point of view i mean that's that mm-hmm. sometimes people make fun of that obi-wan line but i think it's a big central theme in in star wars and it is just i think it works on like a great subliminal level it makes you feel like if you are trying to figure something out and get your head on straight mm-hmm. <laughs> which is you know actual uh, earth you know saying if you're trying to get your head on straight and you are involuntarily being slowly turned around <laughs> And yeah. it's incredibly disorienting, you know? So I love that visual as just a a literal physical visual of what Obi-Wan is going through.
4: Right, because the truth of everything is, is going on around him. And think about other interrogation slash torture prisoner scenes in pop culture but but star wars right generally and generally speaking it's at them think of think of uh of uh kylo ren at Ray at poe it's all this what you know or what you think you know is coming straight on you and you can either deal with it or not you can fight back like Ray, or you can unfortunately give in like poe did and, and and not his fault there poe we, we're with you poe this is so different because you like you said i literally he's not just spitting but he's trying to keep his eyes on Duco but he can't and every, it's different it's everything everything is is just hovering around him, and all Obi-Wan could do is stand in the middle float in the middle and take it it's, it's a different kind of vibe
5: yeah yeah and then for Dooku himself the fact that it's not enough that Obi-Wan's moving he's also just kind of randomly moving around the room but in yeah. particular like it's it is not subtle but it is a just great a bit of visual storytelling reinforcing that he is moving from the light And the dark is he believable or not is he a jedi or is he a sith is he a political idealist or has he been trying to kill padme um some of these questions were answered you know by the press releases before you saw the film in 2002 so it's not really about you know answering that question for the audience it's much more about just on our gut level, like you were talking about, how do we feel about Dooku? How does Obi wan feel about Dooku? Is reinforced by these visuals, even if you've seen the film a thousand times.
4: Right. Uh, yeah. Wait. Wait. Does, sorry. Isn't the does is it the destroy the Sith line in one of the trailers too? I guess I should have watched the trailers
5: <laughs> before. It might their- be. Yeah. All I remember is like it. It wasn't like. I, and who knows maybe maybe my memory has uh fallen apart but i don't remember christopher lee being announced as a mysterious new character i remember him being announced as he's the new bad guy he's the new sith mm-hmm. and you know yeah. uh also just if if you're announcing to people who are fans of christopher lee uh he's gonna be in this movie he's gonna uh, play count dooku you know it has such a connection to Count Dracula. Yeah. usually a villain count dracula <laughs> he was you know i think coded and pretty much announced as as a villain um but it so it's not really about that it's not really about that reveal you know mm-hmm. it's much more about that tension of on a gut level do we trust him does obi-wan trust him you know right so the last thing i wanted to talk about uh because uh you also brought up not being sure about it is the old containment field itself uh mm-hmm. the fr- flickering blue light i remember back in 2002 being distracted by it of like but but why can't obi-wan just use the force to get mm-hmm. out um how do you how are you feeling about the containment field these days do you like the aesthetic do you wonder about the headcanon
4: of how it uh contains jedi uh no I i just accept it <laughs> i guess i should question things no no i accept it and i really like it again kind of what i was saying too just it is different than a lot of things we've seen past or present in star wars in terms of um interrogations or captures right it's um it's it's mystical it's magical it's keeping a little bit with the uh geonosians and and what they might develop is it their technology you know what i mean is it did dooku bring this on the old solar sail (laughs) (laughs) Just in case a Jedi shows up, I've got something for him. I, I choose to believe it's it's Geonosian technology and, and what else they got. So now I'm more intrigued about it. It, it, it makes me um, think of other things and other other questions to, to ask in Star Wars. But more than think, it just looks different and I really appreciate that. And it looks, uh, like I said, a little magical, a little mystical and definitely sci-fi. Not that I don't love Han Solo being, uh, you know, strapped to a rack, <laughs> uh, You know, um, but this is something that stands out and it's unique to me.
5: Yeah, yeah. It's up there with the uh, Mandalorian uh, Force user box uh, that they put Maul mm-hmm. in. Um, yeah, I looked it up on Wiki- Wikipedia. It didn't get named as a containment field until much later. Um, it is it is a Geonosian, uh technology, I believe Wikipedia said. Uh, and, it of course, it gets used a bunch in the Clone Wars. And very interesting, Wikipedia says that it does disrupt Force Center's use, uh, a Force users' ability, to connect to the force. I was like, cool. So I, I smashed the link for that. Where did that information come from? And it said Attack of the Clones. <laughs>
6: <laughs>
4: the movie
5: itself. So I've always had the headcanon, I think going back to 2002, that those like those flickers of light are like either like low-level pain or even like um, sensory disruption. Uh, because I like the headcanon that you can do anything through the force, but you do have to concentrate a little bit. Um, in that this just really disrupts your ability to fully concentrate.
4: This is a glow stick at a rave?
5: (laughs) Yeah, if the glow stick also made noises and shocked you every once in a while.
4: (laughs) Well, clearly I've never been to a rave. It is the greatest
5: enemy of the Jedi is fear and glow sticks. (laughs) A thing we should all be afraid of. Uh, And On that note, uh, we are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to dive into the beat-by-beat details of this great scene. Grab some fear, grab some glow sticks, and get ready to spin around in a circle with us as we talk about when Dooku met Obi-Wan. And we are back. We are ready, like Dooku himself, to saunter into this interrogation room. Is it interrogation room? Is it just a waiting chamber that happens to have a containment field? You decide, but we're going in there beat by beat. Uh, Ken, are you ready to really get into the details of this scene?
4: I have my Dooku cape on. How come that's not for sale with Doc Under's but two, because I want it and I need some sassy pajamas. They're all on, and I'm ready. That
5: is so great. I want Dooku's pajamas, and I don't want Obi-Wan's hair, which I'm going to get pretty soon if I don't get a haircut. So that's a thing I got to look out for. That is what I'm fearing right now, Obi-Wan's hair from Attack of the Clones. Anyway, let's go in there. His performance more than makes up for the hair. So Dooku walks in past that great cathedral. The door shushes open, and in he goes, and Obi-Wan immediately says, Traitor, here's my first question for you, Ken. Is this a good negotiation tactic to just start
4: with traitor? I, I would say no. Obi-Wan perhaps reacting emotionally. It's a gut reaction. But again, he's not wrong. He's speaking the truth. And and I think it kind of puts Dooku in the driver's seat because now he can play off that belief. He knows right where he stands and how he can play. How can you play it against Obi-Wan and play that stuff there? Stuff uh, against Obi-Wan. Um, Again, it, it's it is. He's not wrong. It's not wrong. So I, I just, you know, I think older Obi-Wan would just kind of sit and and take the information as it come to him, you know, but again, he's overwhelmed. He's spinning around. Yeah. He's upset. He's upset. Yeah. Or older Obi-Wan
5: might try to play Dooku a little bit, but instead right. I think it is a, it's a pretty straightforward reaction. And I love again, thinking of it from Obi-Wan's perspective of I'm sure he heard a lot about this amazing Dooku from Qui-Gon. Um, maybe even Qui-Gon had some mixed feelings, but still Dooku is held in great esteem. There is a statue of him as one of the lost 20, a bust of him as one of the lost 20 in the Jedi archives, which we know Qui-Gon or Obi-Wan had to spend a lot of time there because Qui-Gon made him research stuff all the time. Right. Um, and there's this whole separatist challenge and to see that he is not only, uh, he's walked away from the Jedi. He is, uh, you know, basically on the other side against the, the Republic at this point, Obi-Wan believes that he has this connection to Jango and is therefore maybe Padme was right all along that he is behind trying to kill her. So I think Traitor comes from a very real emotional space from uh, from Obi-Wan. And it also reminded me of a show that you and I both like, Deadwood. Um, hmm. I don't know if you've ever got a chance to watch that final installment.
4: I have not yet, which is a weird thing. That might be on my list. Forgot that existed. <laughs>
5: <laughs> right, because it's not a whole like huge revival. It's just a button to the series. Yeah. This yeah. is in the trailer, so it's not spoiling anything.
4: No, no, go for it, go for it, go for it. Yeah. Uh
5: there's a part where Al Swearingen, you know, the the mover and shaker, uh, the the guy who's watching everything and is, you know, very thoughtful and manipulates everything. I would say he is the dooku <laughs> of Deadwood. That's fair. He says to uh Seth Bullock, you know, the upstanding marshal, the justice guy, he says bullock have you ever thought of just not going straight at a thing (laughs) (laughs) and i think about it all the time because i can fall into being bullock-like and go like you know you could just stop and and think through it and that's what i thought of when i watched this scene this time of like this is obi-wan just going straight at a thing like he walks in the room just right away you're a traitor so i'm gonna call you one
4: that there, there's uh it's season eight of game of thrones there's that there's that one moment where Tyrion like comes up to Jon snow It's like have you ever thought of lying yes exactly <laughs> Uh so similar that's great
5: uh, yeah it's like pointing out the the weakness sometimes and i think this goes on to be a theme in this scene right that of course it is great to have clarity and to be on the side of light but sometimes it means that you're not that you're going straight at a thing and you're maybe not thinking about all of the twisty paths that a more devious person is.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm laughing at the connection. Anyways, I got to go watch Deadwood again. Love that. Love that series. Yeah. Okay. Uh, It's very good. It's very
5: good. Uh, So Dooku responds with uh, a clip we're going to play here. uh, And I love it because, it is not only the content of what he's saying that is important, but the way that he is saying it, the way he's delivering it. This is the acting class stuff that we keep talking about. I think he is immediately messing with Obi Wan. Uh, Ken, do you mind playing the clip? Here we go.
1: Traitor. Oh, no, my friend. This is a mistake, a terrible mistake. They've gone too far. This is mad.
5: I thought you were the leader here. <laughs> uh, so my reading, Ken, is that he is saying, I, "Oh, I'm not in charge. I disagree with what's happening. This isn't okay. This is total. This is ridiculous." And I'll look into it. But he is saying it, w- it with
4: uh, utter insincerity. Oh yeah, and first of all, I'm glad I went to Disney Plus and I didn't accidentally play a clip from A, a Dog's Life, which is my favorite show. <laughs> on there, right now, uh, with Bill Farmer. Yeah, no, there to me on the surface level, this is this is where I keeping up the appearances, right? Oh no, no, no. Eh. But deeper level, I I take this as a, just a real clutching of the pearls from Dooku, just a dramatic. No, but he's kind of like, he's clearly in 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 doing that and admitting it to Obi Wan. So Obi Wan's just now. Confused, like, could see through it, but what is he seeing? <laughs> you know, yeah. I love the, oh, my pearls. Oh, Obi-Wan, <laughs> my friend. Oh, oh, yeah. It's like, I'm, was your
5: burger served cold? I'll see to that right away. And I'm so there?
4: sorry, sir. Yeah. Where's the Ocean manager?
5: Yeah. Um, and what I love about it is is I think he is messing with Obi-Wan very much on purpose. I think his, you know, his agenda, as we talked about, it, is like, we'll see how much Obi-Wan knows, see what kind of guy Obi-Wan really is, see what value he may or may not have, see if I need to contain him or if I can use him. So he's going in with, you know, like a sword fighting feint, right, where he's like, I'm pretending to thrust this direction, but both you and I kind of know I'm not thrusting in that direction. And are you going to block me or are you going to swing at me? how are you going to respond cuz he's he's basically it's a it's a great little rhetorical form of gaslighting where he is saying I, hey i know that you know that my tone does not match the meaning of what i'm saying are you going to call me on it what are you going to do about it
4: yeah you're it's the first piece moved on the on the board right it it is just yeah exactly and 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 uh measuring measuring obi-wan up a bit here
5: yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, I don't I don't think he gets a uh, a ton. Uh, Obi-Wan doesn't uh, take the bait a ton. Uh, and basically this next beat that we go into is Dooku denies being the leader of what is going on there of the Separatists and uh, or the, you know, I guess the violent side of the Separatists uh, and says he will uh, petition for Obi-Wan's release. And Obi-Wan responds with one of my favorite lines. Well, I hope it doesn't take too long. I have work to do. Um before I lose my mind,
4: does this line resonate with you? Do you like, I have work to do from Obi-Wan? Uh, you may petition the Lord with prayer. No, I love this line because I, I'm i so waiting to hear your Obi-Wan insight on this. This is your guy. I take this as it's almost like he's taunting Duco a little bit with Jedi work. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I got work to do because I'm a Jedi. Like you aren't. You left. You're nothing. I got gotcha. you. Get this over with because I'm going to win anyways. We always do. Let me at it, you know?
5: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love the way that you approach that. Um, I, I didn't think out about it from that perspective of particularly taunting on the Jedi thing. But I think there is a, a cockiness to it that we do see it many other times from Obi-Wan. That is, I think, both Obi-Wan having a little bit of an ego and I think a tactic from Obi-Wan of saying, yeah, I know that you think you have all the power that you think you have me, you know, surrounded by droids and allies. And I am, you know, uh, immobile and spinning in a room uh, captured by a powerful glow stick. <laughs> but eventually I'm going to do my work. This is the tables are going to turn. And very soon I will have work to do and it. That works not going to be good for you, buddy.
4: Right. Exactly. Um,
5: yeah, I think it is. Uh, there's an element to it of Obi-Wan uh striking back I think a little bit in uh the chess game as well of basically saying I came here on a straight path I'm coming straight at it I was I have a mission to find out who is trying to kill Padme that looks like that's jango fat that looks like you're hired jango fat I'm not going to be distracted by your gaslighting I have work to do I'm on a mission my mission is to figure out uh Who's who's
4: the killer? And it's you. Come on. Yeah, I got it. I want, yeah. What, what do we start with uh, early on in action clones? We got Anakin saying Jedi business. <laughs> Jedi got work to do and we're going to get it done. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know,
5: even just by itself, it is a part of why I like Obi-Wan. He is such a complex, nuanced character who grows and changes. But there is something of him that that remains this a Jedi company guy of he is a Jedi through and through. And that traces through to um, moments where he is a little bit blinded by that into moments where he's triumphant by that. uh, When Maul uh, kills Satine and expects it to break him. And he's just like, no, I'm a Jedi. I don't give into that. I have work to do is like, it's cocky and fun and flavorful here, but it is like a kind of mission statement to this core of his character that never really changes. Even going up to, defending Luke from Maul in Rebels in their final duel of like, nope, I'm here. I'm not a rat in the desert. I have work to do. Yep. You're right. I'm, you, I'm, you Preach on, my brother, because yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you for letting me lose my mind about Obi-Wan. I love him so much. Uh, so moving on from, from that, uh, those two little chess moves there, they have this brief back and forth about Jango Fett. Uh, about, you know, that's what brought uh, Obi-Wan way out here. What What is a Jedi Knight doing way out here in Geonosis? Well, he was tracking this bounty hunter, Jango Fett, and and Dooku's like, well, I don't think there are any uh, bounty hunters here. The Geonosians don't trust him. So they have this little little back and forth, uh, and Obi-Wan ends up kind of offering some info uh, to Dooku, and Dooku denies anything.
4: At this point, what do you think is going on in the chess game, and who's winning? And if this was like sports announcers, it's, it's going B for beat there. Like Dooku's coming back with some, uh, a lie followed by a truth. Uh, <laughs> just up, he, he probably gave a little bit, you know, confirmed maybe what Dooku thought or knew, you know, obviously, like you said, he's clearly talked to Django, like, Hey, I, I dropped some se- seismic charges out there. It didn't work. This guy's still here. Um, so I, I find interesting kind of what's coming next. This sets it up. Dooku, I mean, now I really do feel like a sports analyst here. He, he is denying something that they both know is true. There's no Mm -hmm. point. This is a, now he's not clutching pearls, but literally it's just like, I I don't know what you're talking about. You're holding the banana in your hand. There's no banana here. (laughs) It's, we use the term gaslighting a lot in this conversation. That's what it is. But then what does this set up? The next moments, the next beats are Dooku just going, all right, I'm going to give you every bit of truth. And certainly from my point of view and agenda, but I'm gonna give you more truth than you've ever got. But I just lied and you know I just lied. So now you're not sure what I'm telling you even now. And and now the now Obi-Wan's really spinning on those uh raver light glow sticks.
5: Yeah. I think that's great insight. And you've also made me want to see the bounty hunter banana Fett. <laughs> <laughs> banana There's no banana yeah. fat here. The Genosians don't trust banana fat. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's also this element. I think everything you're saying is absolutely spot on of like, yeah, I'm just going to I'm going to keep just lying to you. I'm not in charge here. And there's no bounty hunter. There'd never be a bounty hunter here. No, Um, but I think he's also seeing like, yeah, okay. Obi-Wan is a little bit of a straight shooter. How good is he at this game of kind of cat and mouse? How much information is he just going to dump out uh, because he is so obsessed with being a straight shooter? and telling it like it is that he doesn't realize he is overplaying his hand, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think Obi-Wan mostly gives him information that Dooku would already have from Django, logically, right? Because, yeah, Jango would be like, oh, yeah, no, uh, he totally tracked me. We fought. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to get a new jetpack. Yeah, I, I, I blew my shot on him, you know, like
4: everything. I uh, blew my I mean, rocket on him, you like know? Like a Boba Fett's like around, like Boba Fett's going to be like, and then my dad... Boba, Boba, <laughs> just quiet, I'm talking, I'm talking to my boss. But the dad shot him. We killed him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Great head cannon scene we now want.
5: <laughs> Boba Fett spills the beans. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, obviously he was captured outside when he, uh, by his ship when uh, when uh, our RP 17 was uh, uh, sending the um, the information, mm-hmm. uh, and but but I don't think Dooku knows that Obi Wan saw the foundry, overheard the meeting, all of that. So. Obi-Wan does manage to, you know, hold back a little bit of information. Correct. Yeah. Not that it does him a lot of good, because I think you're right. The most important move is the uh, the lying uh, mm-hmm. that leads into the Qui-Gon chat. Uh, Dooku says that he regrets never meeting Obi-Wan before because Qui-Gon spoke so highly of him. Oh, wow. Is this sincere or is this manipulation? What do you think? Does Dooku actually think highly of Obi-Wan in this moment?
4: He sincerely manipulated him. It's it's a it's a column A, column B. Yeah, I think uh, basically what he's saying is my interpretation here in a little bit. But uh, I regret meeting you when you uh, you know when you were a little less formed because I, I could have taken you down this path. We could have we could have formed a good team. You know, Quiet Gun, I like Quiet Gun. You know, I like Quiet Gun. He spoke highly of you, but now look where you are. <laughs> I wish I could have stopped you and put you on a different path. Uh, I, I, so I think there's, uh, you know, he's probably respectful enough of his skills as a Jedi. He, Dooku knows Jedi are dangerous to him and his mission, like we talked about, but that's kind of what the subtext of what it is. Look where you are. If only it got to you sooner, you wouldn't be here. Hmm.
5: Interesting. I like that a lot. Yeah. I think I've always, uh, taken it is. Dooku has truly heard lots of good things about Obi-Wan. Um, That, you know, Qui Gon had his ups and downs with him, but, uh, and this might be a little bit of my bias of being, you know, so uh, all on board with Obi Wan. Mm -hmm. But later in the film, Dooku is going to uh, manipulate Obi Wan by saying, you know, can't you do better in this uh, lightsaber fight? Yoda holds you in such high esteem. So we do get the picture that uh, Qui Gon did think Obi Wan would come to be this great Jedi Knight. Um, Obi Wan does rise to be a great Jedi Knight. He is an absolute hero of the. Clone Wars, um, he does defeat, uh, he has defeated Maul. He does uh, defeat Grievous. There is, Obi-Wan's got a lot going for him, right? If you're just going to rank Jedi.
4: <laughs> yeah, good resume.
5: He's got a good resume. And I think at this point, Qui-Gon is like, yeah, no, I mean, Yoda's been around a long time and I really respect Qui-Gon and they're both like this. He, he's got some rough patches. He's young, but Obi-Wan's really got a lot going for him that could truly make him this absolutely amazing Jedi. And so for me, I like interpreting it as that part of it is sincere of I've never met you. I've never seen it for myself. I've heard that you're amazing. And a part of this whole scene, a part of this whole dance for Dooku is now I'm going to see for myself if I agree with Yoda and Qui-Gon and maybe Mace and whoever else thinks you're amazing. And I'm going to decide for myself.
4: Yeah. You mentioned the the Yoda or or, or referencing Yoda and the lightsaber fight with Obi-Wan a little bit later on. That's that's another another way to really instill a lack of confidence.
1: Oh, I thought you were good.
4: (laughs) Right. But uh, that's all right. Okay, cool. It's okay. It's okay. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be as good as they said. (laughs) Carry on. Carry on.
5: I mean, it's fine. It's fine that I'm just kind of a little bored uh, during this, uh, you know, laser sword fight while you're desperately trying to stay alive. And I'm just like, whatever. Mm, yeah. I mean, Duke is a master of that. And that I think that continues on in uh, in this so, scene. But I, uh, I like what you're saying, uh, saying as well, that there is a little bit of a, if you really were this awesome, it's too bad that our past didn't cross at a point where I could have maybe got in there and manipulated you more when yeah. you were young. Uh, but mm. let's give it a shot now. Uh, so he goes into the manipulation uh, and says that with a uh, very, you know, great uh weight in gravitas and sadness that dooku wishes qui-gon were still alive and says he could really use qui-gon's help uh in obi-wan uh, counters that qui-gon jinn would never join you um what do you feel about this do you think qui-gon would have
4: joined dooku at any point and under what circumstances so i don't And I'm trying to factor in or not factor in anything we've learned from, say, Master and Apprentice or Dooku Jedi Lost, which have some morsels of information there, some interaction with these characters, right? This was presented earlier. It's all connected in that big tapestry of emotional canon. But let's just try to go with what we know uh, in in animated shows um, or on screen around this time. Uh, I absolutely think Qui-Gon would not, under any circumstances, have joined Dooku as Dooku was or uh, is here, maybe as, as he was before. I'm sure they probably had some conversations late night, hanging out there by the fire in Dooku's study up there in the Jedi Temple or something, that, of the problems with the current uh, class of Jedi or the problems of the Republic and the cracks in the Republic. And to me, that's why Dooku has kind of successively entered into evidence enough bits of, of, of truth to color Obi-Wan's view of the situation. It's almost as like you know, again, Obi Wan's right. He wouldn't join you. Pause, pause. I mean, I think he wouldn't. But there was that one time that Qui Gon didn't like what uh, Ki Adi said, and he and Kefisto argued at the diner that one time. Oh man, you're right. No, yeah. you're not right. You know. So now, so that's why I think there's enough truth to it. What we know of Qui Gon, no, I don't think he would. And not, I'm not, I'm not even trying. I'm not even factoring in Sith stuff, Sith, Sith stuff, right? Sith stuff. Yeah fun to say uh, stuff yeah just the republic separatists those real core reasons the, the fall of the jedi that was happening images and visions in qui-gons and that's a little bit factoring master and apprentice stuff but it's part of the story there there's there might have been a point 10 years ago that qui-gon would have been a, i don't know conscientious objector to some of the actions of the republic or the council but not right now with the dark side uh going but it's enough to work. I think Obi-Wan has has reason to pause.
5: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think for Qui-Gon, you know, there's this element of truth that Dooku is introducing in the conversation where he says, uh, well, Qui-Gon was very aware of, you know, the problems with the Senate, um, but he didn't know the truth, uh, which we'll get to the truth in a moment. Mm. Uh, And that, of course, has got to ring incredibly true to obi-wan right that qui-gon said like yeah yeah, there are definitely some some problems and the jedi have gone astray and some of that is being uh hidden away there on coruscant and not you know looking around to like the real people with the real problems you know on the ground uh, across the galaxy getting caught up in all the politics and all that so there's got to be an element of truth that obi-wan feels but i think for my own analysis of qui-gon I think if if Dooku was sincere, if he really was, I have I took the moral high ground and I stepped away from the Jedi because I couldn't agree with how they were handling things. They they weren't they were being stopped by politics from helping people who needed help, and I am, am aligned with all of these people, uh, all these separatists who just don't want to be a part of the Republic anymore. And so we're gonna step away. If that was the honest truth, I could see Qui Gon maybe going. Everybody has a right to, they opted into the Republic, they can opt out, we'll build our own thing over here. Uh, if that was the truth, maybe, but though, that's not the truth, and right. that's the game that Dooku gets to play of, you know, this gentleman monster. The gentleman part is like, well, I mean, we don't want to be a part of the Republic anymore, and I guess you're going to attack us, you're not going to let us leave, so I guess we have to, you know, get, you know, get, get, get some droids and defend ourselves, I guess, from all of this corruption. Um, and that's even before we get into, as you say, the Sith stuff, I think Qui-Gon absolutely would have said like, no, you're not, he would have been able to sense, or he would be able to tell, I think from his old master that you're not doing this for these political idealist reasons that you're saying you, you selfishly gave into the dark side because you've been fighting it your whole life, which we know from Dooku, uh, Mm -hmm. lost Jedi and you gave in and that's what this
4: is about. Yeah. 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 Would have been an interesting late night dinner conversation between those two of you.
5: Yeah, yeah. And and I think it is, as you're saying, it's great manipulation to sort of crack Obi-Wan opening and have a little bit of half truth. Mm -hmm. And I think a a great thing about it is that Dooku doesn't just say, you know, I wish Qui-Gon were here and I could use his help. He says, I wish I were still alive, which I think is also like pressing that nerve and going, hey, Obi-Wan, weren't you there? Did you fail him? You know, would he be alive to help us both if you hadn't failed?
4: Right. Yeah. Right. Jab, jab, jab.
5: Jab, jab, jab. Uh, So then uh, he, when uh, Obi-Wan defiantly says Qui-Gon Jinn would never join you, uh, Dooku counters with, you forget that he was once my apprentice just as you were once his. Did this Star Wars just lore drop impact you back in 2002? Did, Did you like it? were you just not engaged by it were you distracted uh by the glow stick prison uh
4: what happened there well i'm watching all that i'm, I'm kind of snickering or, or or being a little snarky in my seat and then this happens and i went yeah that's and cool i mean ah gosh i hate the prequels am i right am i right everyone I, i'm good right I'm good okay <laughs> yeah, go ahead. no i thought it was really cool i thought that was a really cool little connection little thread um and I, I, I and i almost on a gut level i don't i don't know why I just i remember going oh that's we got a chain that's fun a chain of a chain of learning master apprentice I, I do i do enjoy that a lot and then and then factor in the one we learn later on you know
5: yeah yeah learning that uh the duku is yoda's padawan and it's his whole chain yeah uh i just i I think the way I processed Star Wars, I did have people to talk about it and they did like bits and pieces of the prequels, but for the most part, you know, it was the, let's rail about uh, Jar Jar and, you know, why is she called a queen if she's elected and 800 different, you know, critiques of Phantom Menace. But I loved all the Jedi stuff and I was so fascinated with the lore of it. I was just so excited to get more information about how that Padawan relationship worked. And I think... I think I probably couldn't have even articulated then what was so exciting about it to me, but I think it's this sense of family. It's not just, Oh, it's cool. It's more Star Wars information for me to memorize, but what makes it cool is Star Wars has always been about this family. It has, you know, it's the great turning points in, uh, the original trilogy that Luke realizes Vader is his father and Leia is his sister. And Han, you know, finds the family that he never really had in Luke and Leia and, and all these stories of family, and this is this very weird very different sense of legacy but in a way it's like Dooku saying like you forget i'm your jedi grandpa
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and
5: it it like it strangely bonds
4: them in this kind of different way it's another it's another circle of trust thing right this scene's about who do you trust who do you trust and 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 that's another like come on you you can trust me like like Jedi grandpa is a term I, I wish they said in the movies, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. Again, another emotional jab.
5: Yeah. And on the emotional jab side of it, probably just even on the more surface level, you know, it, it is great that it's like, yeah, he was your master. Did he really open up to you as much as he did to me when I was his master? Mm-hmm. So there is just a little bit of game of like, well, yeah. who really knew him better? Was it you? Which is
4: another yeah. point of just, here's something else for you to doubt, Obi-Wan. I think that you're. That's a big point too, of just like that 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 game that that the the leveling up of of who knew who better and and at this point, uh, Obi Wan has been through a lot with Qui Gon as we've learned and read. So if you put that in his mind, yeah, he got to be. He's got to be thinking, well, yeah, I wasn't there for all those conversations. Could be something there again. Just a fun little game from Dooku. He's winning this round. Yeah, I think he is. I think he is. <laughs> uh, so Dooku moves on from
5: there to saying, you know, if uh, Qui-Gon would have never gone along with it if he knew the truth. Obi-Wan even uh, says, the truth?
4: <laughs> and I believe <laughs> yeah. Dooku
5: says again, the truth. So it's yeah. being underlined that, hey, I have uh, gaslighted you in an obvious way to see if you'd call me out on it. I have told you some half-truths that you could maybe believe about Qui-Gon. I've, you know, blatantly lied to you about Django Fett here. And now, kid, I'm going to tell you the truth. It's just a great way to set it up.
4: Mm. It's a big moment. Big moment.
5: Yeah. Uh, so Dooku says, the Republic, this is the truth, that the Republic is now under the control of the Dark Lord of the Sith. And this is the big question that I think a lot of fans have about this scene. We know, the audience, that this is the truth. So why is Dooku Telling Obi-Wan this big truth in this scene, in this moment. What's your take, Ken?
4: Man, I could change any day I talk about this. I just think there's a little bit of uh, Dooku, again, has been playing this game, uh, just eroding Obi-Wan's trust in the Republic, the Jedi Order, uh, Qui-Gon. It's, it, he's eroded his trust in his sense of the Jedi do the good work and the Jedi come out on top, right? Yeah, that's how it goes. Uh, he's been lying. Django's not here. That's definitely a, uh, that's a lie. So to, to hit him with the truth is, is this big chess piece move to just kind of be like, all right, here it is. React to it. You feel it, sense it, you know, it's, t- it's, it's true. And that makes everything else, which I've just said some of it from a certain point of view, or some of it half truths or some of the things you can't confirm about Qui-Gon right now it might confirm it in your mind if you believe it, if you follow me. And I think there's a little bit of a, of a power play, a little bit of Dooku kind of going, oh, yeah, you know, again, we're going to talk a little bit when he says destroy the Sith. I believe that I I think there's some sincerity in Dooku there, too. So I think in character, in the story, in the moment uh, on this scene, it, that's it's the biggest. Biggest piece, because only the truth could turn Obi-Wan, I think. Maybe, mm. you know, like like, like all the, like what could get you the absolute truth, man? This is what you're missing. We can do something about this truth, though. Yeah. Yeah.
5: I, I love what you're saying. I think there is just that uh, big manipulation of something that you sense is true, some, something that kind of confirms that you've been wondering who has destroyed the master or the apprentice. Well, it was the apprentice. Here's something that. Feels true, and if it's true, you should really do something about it. And this great truth is coming out of the mouth of someone who just lied to you a bunch <laughs> yeah. is a great way to just keep him off his game. But then, yeah, it is it is that a huge risk? As some fans ask, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm in agreement with you. I think that this is from uh, Duku a sort of choose your own adventure chess move. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's it's a piece that he's moving into place, knowing well, Obi-Wan might respond one of these, uh, probably two, maybe three ways, and I will have an advantage regardless of any of those. I've moved this chess piece. I'm going to get him to react, and whatever his reaction is, is going to work out good for me, Dooku. Um, I think there's that slim choice of, well, I've been poking at him. Uh, I don't know if he's really measuring up to how great everybody said he is, but he does seem like he's real straight shooter has strong conviction in the Jedi order and the Jedi ways. Maybe, maybe the truth is the way to manipulate him. Maybe he will just go along with it enough that I can manipulate him. And we'll, we'll talk more about that as he gets to the, uh, the actual straightforward offer. But Mm. I think, you know, there's the, will he just buy it? And then what can I do with that? Can I make a useful tool out of him if he buys this? And then I think there's the other big option which is the one I think plays out, is, you know, if I give him a big bucket of, uh, or or like a big piece of uh, truth, (laughs) you know, wrapped in a bag of lies, that is just going to introduce so much doubt and Mm. fear and paranoia, not just to Obi-Wan, because Obi-Wan's going to run back and he's going to tell this to Yoda and Mace, and Duke is like, I know how much... Yoda and Mace uh, sit there in their their little room on their <laughs> on their little round cushions and meditate about everything and it's gonna push against their egos, just like it is about Obi-Wan saying, no, we would have sensed that. It's gonna push against their egos and they're gonna be
4: running at every shadow, doubting themselves. They yeah. Um ooh, gosh, here it comes. Well said. There's our catchphrase. Well said. Um because you're talking about what could go, you know, all right. All right. Maybe he joins, right. Maybe, maybe Darth Kenobi emerges, uh, or better yet, maybe I just throw him in a pit and he's dead. And then I have to force the Jedi to make a move. Um, but also if, if, if this does get back, uh, Dooku's now just really took a, a sledgehammer to the foundations of the ruling class of the Jedi there who have to face truths that they know stuff we're going to talk about here in a second. But you know what I mean? Like, uh, they don't know the facts, but they know something's amiss, and they don't want to face that. They don't even want to tell anybody. They're trying to figure it out. Uh, we know now Yoda feels nothing, which means there's something there. All those kind of things we we, we got from Queen's Peril. So I, yeah, Dooku's really laid down the cards, and it can go any direction. I love that you. I love that you touched upon that.
5: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean this this next uh, bit goes into exactly that of. This idea that if the Jedi were to even entertain this truth, it would have to start from a place of admitting total failure, that they failed to see it. So Obi-Wan says that's impossible. The Jedi would be aware of it. Dooku counters that the dark side of the Force has clouded their vision. We've heard Yoda and Mace debate this and even been like, you know, should we tell people? No, 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 no. Our enemies will multiply. So, you know, they're already feeling doubt. About this, uh, and that's a great thing for Dooku to push on as well. Of like, if you even accept this, you will also have to admit that you're super wrong and you missed something big. It should be your whole thing: stopping the dark side and the Sith, but you missed this. Do you think? Um, do you think this is true? Do you accept this? Is just a, a fan of Star Wars that this is a truth of the way the Force works? That the dark side has clouded their vision; they're they're not able to actually predict the future or you know, locate specific elusive feelings in the force because the dark side is clouding everything. Do you buy that?
4: I can buy into it. I absolutely can from this idea. It's a little bit more, a uh, little, little below the surface where you know, you could take it as what Palpatine's doing. Um, the description in Queen's Peril of, of his art piece that is so so just dark, it absorbs all the light around it. That's what he is, right? He's at the center of this. So he's winning that war. But I always... We always go to this idea, the discussion point that the Jedi brought themselves down, right? So they're, the, the dark side is clouding their vision because they're just kind of not – they're they're losing connection with what they are and who they are, what they're supposed to be, right? All this – the hubris we talk about, but even even that hallway scene, the big hallway scene of, of, of Yoda – uh, Yoda, Mason, and, and uh, Obi Wan talk about the uh, the younger Jedi now. You know, and, and even even Yoda says even some of the older ones, even some of the veteran ones. You know, there's problems going on, and they can't see it happening. So they're not connected to themselves, which means the dark side's slipping in real easy to cloud their vision. If they were yeah. strong, they knew their purpose, they could see past that. Maybe, um, you know, the force doesn't have all this, the, the, the the answers aren't on a checklist here, but. It it, it, so it comes from within and it's not so much that the dark side's winning here, but the Jedi can't fight through it.
5: Uh, You know what? Well said. (laughs) Hey, no, I think this is, we, we do talk a lot about how did the Jedi fail? Uh, The, uh, I would say probably the favorite word of force center hubris uh, comes up. (laughs) Yeah. And this is real hubris. When you go back to Phantom Menace and, uh, and Qui-Gon's like, yeah, I think that might've been a Sith. And, ki mundis like, that's impossible. You know? And here we are 10 years later after they faced a Sith and it was a Sith and a Sith killed Qui-Gon and here's Obi-Wan kind of saying the same thing that ki mundi said 10 years ago that they still think highly enough of themselves of like, no, we are the great Sith stoppers. That's who we are. That's our main thing. There's no way that the
4: Sith could be that close to us. Poor Chatty Monday, right? Just in the center of it all, he's a political ideal. <laughs> he, yeah, he is, yeah.
5: He's just absolutely like that. Show will run for seven. It's canceled. Okay, sorry, my bad. <laughs> Poor awesome. Chatty Monday. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, lots of hubris there. Lots of hubers there. In yeah, terms yeah. of, uh, for me, just the the straight up um, the dark side clouding the light. I I really like that. I I take it as true because I think it. You know, it's told in uh, to us. The audience in private by yoda and mace right that's where we get right. to see it it's not just a manipulation from dooku it, it appears to be uh true and it appears based on their actions their inability to uh find and identify uh palpatine is sidious um but i kind of like it the idea that the light side is order and the dark side is chaos up to a point mm-hmm. that the light side is the natural world so it's not like the light side is against change it's sort of the the status quo of the natural world you know people are born they have joy they have pain they die uh, you know a star collapses and and those planets that were there for you know, millennia aren't there anymore and they are new matter and they become something else and like there's change mm. and there's the randomness of that within the natural order but it's just that's the status quo that's the galaxy as is that the jedi are just trying to keep in balance so it is this kind of status quo in the dark side is chaos the dark side is like uh, again like queen sparrow like shoving the dark uh into light side places but also they're just they're starting wars they're upsetting people they're starting uh chain reactions. so the uh, galaxy just gets uh full of chaos full of like almost like if yoda and mace are sitting down to meditate mm. And if the dark side was at bay, they could see all these different possible futures. But with the dark side really, really, really active, it's like there's all these different actions and reactions in this just greatest, greater level of chaos that makes it harder for them to
4: see anything with clarity. Mm Mm hmm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And chaos is a ladder from another series, but it's not (laughs) necessarily a ladder for the Jedi right now. I like that. Yeah, it's a great letter for Dooku, insidious. Yeah, when we talk about the force stuff, it it, it it always always open to interpretations, and I love that there's no straight answers, but it all starts to you know line up there, and, and it's just, I just go into the actual. The, I I love when a character you 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 believe you're supposed to be quote, rooting against, and you know, and, and Dooku's one to be rooted against, but when they're the ones telling the truth, uh, there's a lot of great. Smaller scale moments like this in Game of Thrones, of like where Tyrion, who you're not supposed to root for early on because you're not sure about the Lannisters, is telling Jon Snow, "Oh, you're going to the Wall? Let me tell you what it is." And that immediately kind of plays with your mind when you're like, "Oh, that guy was right." Oh, what <laughs> do to me? And so that, that's what he's hitting Obi wan with, just over and over and over. All these truths that are just hard to hard to grasp while you're floating around there on glow sticks.
5: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Sorry, sorry, I went off on my force tangent. I get very excited oh. about the fours as well, but um. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember at this uh, point in the scene as well that uh, Dooku is a former Jedi. He knows them well. I think even if he hadn't fallen to the dark side, he had legitimate beef with the Jedi. And I think one of those points of of knowledge that he uses against the Jedi is, well, they might actually be able to course correct, uh, find Sidious and figure out a good way to handle this. Uh, But in order to do that, they would have to start by admitting they were weak and wrong about something. And they're so pompous right now, they're never going to do it. So I can use it to manipulate them. Right.
4: Yeah. Mm. It's, so, it's so interesting that Dooku, he was there, he was on the side, and he saw something and then became, I don't know, he became the thing he uh, was supposed to fight against. And, and that's interesting to me, too.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Um so then he goes into uh, he goes into the details uh, that the Sith Lord is named Darth Sidious. Even more truth, uh, that the Viceroy of the Trade Federation was in league with him 10 years ago. And then uh, that Viceroy came to Dooku, but he was betrayed. Uh, he came to Dooku and told him everything, the Viceroy. So how much of this is true? Do you think hearing these familiar details shakes Obi-Wan even
4: more? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Talk about that foundation of your trust in the institutions and the people that came before and the, the, your foundation about what your actions were playing on the, if only you were better, you might've saved uh, Qui-Gon. All that's coming into play when he's literally going, Hey, remember that time? Let me tell you what that, well, let me tell you what really was going on. Let me tell you why Qui-Gon died. Let me tell you why you were there fighting the trade Federation droids and everything. And and, and that's got to shake him at all. Absolutely shake him.
5: Yeah. When I really watched this uh, this scene critically, uh, my mind immediately went to Obi-Wan's first lines in Phantom Menace of, I've got a bad feeling about this. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, somewhere else elusive. And you have to think that that Obi-Wan is going like, OK, I think he's manipulating me. He's just been lying to me a bunch. So, And I think we would know if, you know, a bunch of the uh, Republic was under the sway of a Sith Lord. But, oh, no. In that instance with the Trade Federation 10 years ago, that's when... Qui Gon died. That's when we found Anakin, the Chosen One. That's when I personally sent something larger at work that was not right. So this real temptation to start believing Duku the liar, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I also wanted to ask you on this point. Uh, I know there's lots of different things in expanded universe with uh, the Darth Plagueis novel and and you know tons of stuff uh, that's out there. What do you think about this as Dooku's in modern canon, a little bit of his actual origin story? Do you think any of this is true? Do you think that he's already fighting his own battle with the dark side? He's walked away from the Jedi. He's maybe even fermenting some of this uh, separatist uh, feeling um, on Sereno and in other places. Uh, And then Newt Gunray comes to him and goes, hey, I just got betrayed by a Sith Lord. And Dooku's like, a Sith Lord? Let Mm -hmm. me look into that.
4: Mm-hmm. And then hit with the truth. Uh, yeah, I actually really am really on board for this idea. I think there's a lot of interesting ideas, interesting truth to this idea here, that Sidious might have, um, I don't know, You know, maybe even pulled the cow back and be like, hey, it's, it's me, Sheev. Come here. <laughs> Come here. <laughs> Here's something to tell you. And, and he met Dooku at that spot. And Dooku has become, again, this amoral character who, who wants power, um it appeals to him i'm not saying he's like oh that worked for me it's going to work on obi-wan but there's some truth to being like well as a jedi as i was hit with this truth and it it swayed me so it might work here uh it factors in you know we always kind of talk there there's occasional conversations about Duku from a certain point of view is like the father of the rebellion right he 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 was a separatist going against the republic the republic became the 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 empire so see clearly he fought against it and then there's some fun fun aspect and angle to that that's somewhat true of Duku saw some of the some of the truths in the republic but um I do I do think this was a talk about two gentlemen in a in a study or a parlor I think that's how Duku would have fallen wouldn't yeah fallen with anywhere any lightsaber fighter and he would have fallen in a in a, at a, at a in a study having tea yeah
5: yeah and I know there's stuff in the Clone Wars that touches on this mm-hmm. and again like in in you know uh Darth Plagueis which is no longer canon but I really liked uh that in Dooku Jedi Lost that was really about Dooku's own sort of o- walking away from the Jedi and opening himself up to the dark side and and experimenting with it and uh, obsession with prophecies and things like that. I would love this other half of, like, what exactly in modern canon was the contact moment uh, where Sidious really put his hooks into uh, Tyrannus, you know?
4: Yeah, yeah, because uh, Duke of Jedi Lost, they, they have some interactions. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, what is... What did, what did coming off of Maul, right? Coming up and what, and what, and Palpatine see any season do. Oh, look at that Jedi ready to fall or a Jedi that did fall or leave. No, actually a Jedi that didn't fall. A Jedi that was like, I'm out. That's more valuable to Palpatine. So ooh, that that's a side.
5: Yeah. for this it's All like, this great complicated stuff of like, I'm out for legitimate reasons, but also because I'm kind of pursuing the dark side. Don't worry about it. I, I got, I got it under control. Yeah. Uh, so we move on then to our big Star Wars poetry moment. Uh, Dooku straight up makes the offer and says, you must join me, Obi-Wan, and together we will destroy the Sith. And Obi-Wan responds, I will never join you, Dooku. Um, how do you feel just about it as poetry is? It, it is uh, very direct to Vader and Luke, right, in Empire Strikes Back.
4: Oh, yeah. And beyond just the the, the jokes about Star Wars poetry, no, it's, it's part of the, the center here. It's part of a big... Truth, probably the truth that you don't want to hear that you got to deal with, um, you know, I'm, I'm your father and, and uh, uh, now this one, uh, everything you believed in is on quicksand and, and can't keep you afloat here, Obi-Wan. So it, it's a it is absolutely a, a needed repeat, uh, a needed stanza in this poem.
5: Yeah, yeah, and I like that it reinforces that this is uh, at least partially the way the Sith operate. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and honestly, we kind of see it again in um, Revenge of the Sith, a different version of this, of it, the way uh, Palpatine isn't, or Sidious isn't selling to Anakin, oh, become Darth Vader, <laughs> and uh, we'll just really enjoy all the anger and hate of it. It's like, no, it's just, it's just a different point of view, it's just a different path to... You know, helping people and bringing peace to the galaxy and like this idea that you know it's not that we are going to become this awful thing it's that we're going to use these tools to defeat the truly awful thing Mm, yeah Uh, which and then it even goes to Maul making the same kind of offer to Ah Ahsoka of always like I can dangle I know I look evil right now (laughs) but I can dangle a more evil thing that we should team up and stop together is uh, I love that consistent uh, uh, method of trying to turn uh Jedi,
4: and you touch upon it. But the, I love the relationship between uh, master and apprentice on the villain side is so messed up, <laughs> so right? Messed up. <laughs> yeah, all, all need some counseling. Sit down and talk it out.
5: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the moment where this kind of matters. That that. Obi-Wan is kind of family too uh, you know it, it, not direct blood relationship but a little bit more that like you know we could really work together you know it, what wouldn't it be great to honor Qui-Gon if he was here he'd want this for us for us to stop the bad guys together yeah. um, in this specific moment Dooku is selling to Obi-Wan that the separatists are legitimately opposing a corrupt republic that is being controlled by the Sith so what is your take on this offer? Why does Dooku do it? Why does Dooku offer Obi-Wan to join him and to turn against his master Sidious? And why does Obi-Wan say no?
4: I, I, this is goes to the, the, the Dooku stuff. I, we know this whole thing of, of power, um, and, and what he wants. Uh, and we talk about, um, you know the, the Sith um ad- ad- adapting on the fly, right? I, I think. What what if he says yes? You know, what Duke is like, what do I what do I got to lose? <laughs>
5: right. Yes. So you,
2: th-
4: yeah.
5: So you think I, it is sincere? You think that it is a you know odds are small, but what if he just says yes, and then I can manipulate him? I can get him started on this path where he thinks he's doing a righteous thing. I can get my hooks into him, and I can turn him and. And maybe he's a powerful enough ally, if everything that Yoda and Qui-Gon said about how great he is, maybe he'll be a powerful enough Sith that uh, I can use him to kill Sidious and take everything for myself.
4: Yeah, and I'm basing that mostly on the decisions of Christopher Lee in in that moment as an actor and and what he's playing. I I think it's, as opposed to the clutching the pearls earlier and some of the putting the mask back on that's going to come later, I think it reads to me as sincere and watching Mm. it Time and time again, it just reads me of uh, join up and together we can destroy the Sith. Like, I don't think at that point because he's just laid out some truth. He's he's cut the foundations. You're you're not trusting like, and he doesn't want to. You know, this isn't a pure thought uh, as as much as well. You know, it isn't a pure thought from Dooku of like let's destroy the Sith and then we'll we'll go celebrate with the Jedi again. Now it's like no, then we'll probably destroy them. But you know what I mean. So it's not it's not from a good point. It's not from a good heart. I'll switch back. Don't worry. Um, it's to his 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 agenda and his purpose, but yeah, I I think Dooku again. All right, Oh, that sounds good. Take me down. Okay, cool. Let's let's go that way. Because right. he's got Ventress, he's working. You know, he ends up ends up not now, but like you know, ends up with with, with Ventress and Cass her side. But also, there was you know, like what are you doing training the you know Palpatine's aware of this, but like what are you doing? You are already recruiting stuff. Like Dooku's got a lot going on, and he likes power. So Obi Wan could have said yes. But he yeah. Did.
5: Yeah, I mean, this is just going into total headcanon, but I also like the idea that uh, Obi Wan is involved enough in all of uh, Palpatine's important business that maybe Palpatine has a little bit of an Obi Wan hang up, too. That maybe that's a little bit of where this is coming from, of like, yeah, Sidious is a little concerned about this Obi Wan guy, too. So what if I, yeah, what if I turn him, you know? And, you know, will that help me actually overthrow? sidious i agree with you i think the delivery is a great point that it is delivered uh with passion and sincerity and i think it is a sincere offer to join him and i think if obi-wan had even been tempted to even play it out he would have started down the path of the sith dooku would have manipulated him to give into his anger that that's the only way to be powerful enough to destroy sidious and and he would have ended up controlling obi-wan
4: so why do you think obi-wan says no look at everything we've talked about today. He, Obi-Wan is faced with confusion of just the base. He's just like, Siphon, Syphed, Siphon, he is did this. And now I'm here. Now what? Now I'm new, bounty hunter, uh, and I'm new, bounty hunter. Dooku. He's confused. Uh, he's faced with shades of gray, those delicious shades of gray and hard truths that he might not be ready to face. He's, you know, uh, hard truths about the Jedi and the direction going forward. How best, who are we fighting now? Like there's all this in his head at the end of the day, when faced with this simple, Offer, which, by the way, is you know Sith lords are our speciality. This is something Obi Wan would like to do, right? It's a mandate: destroy the Sith, defend against the Sith. He he can not only see through it, but and maybe he can't see all the way through it. Again, it's clouded. But I think this is Obi Wan staying true to himself, saying staying true to who he is. And he is a poster child for the Order. We've talked about that a lot. Not that he doesn't have individuality or unique uh, take or personality there. He stays true to himself and he bets on his core principles. Maybe I could have said yes and we could have maybe we could have destroyed the Sith. And then maybe I could have done something. You know what? I'm gonna stick to what I know, and what I know are my core principles. What has brought me here? I'm sticking with that. And man, I like Obi-Wan. (laughs)
5: me too and I like what you just said I think this is a moment of Obi-Wan going all right uh, he has introduced a lot of doubt and confusion he has you know tried to gaslight me he has you know uh, thrown my old master in my face and made me question whether I failed him whether I really know him as well as I hoped I did but this is a moment where being a straight shooter is really clear this is not somebody who is dealing with me with sincerity. This is, that is not the whole offer of just let's get together and destroy the Sith. There's a lot more going on to it. And I know that, and I am going to stick to my principles and I am going to say, no, I will never join you. And I think it's one of the things that makes Obi-Wan different, partially because of his character and partially just because of his life experience. I think a lot of this is Dooku just going like, Hey, are there, uh, are there any little cracks in your Jedi armor? And, we know with Anakin, with Ben Solo, uh, with lots of other characters, uh, Luke a little bit with his, you know, his absolute compassion for his father and for Leia. Like, uh, is there a little crack there I can get into? And I think he, he Dooku pretty effectively uh, hits on a lot of uh, Obi-Wan's uh, potential cracks in his armor. And Obi-Wan's just
4: like, no, man, that's not a crack. No,
5: you're, yeah. you're not getting in
4: here. He knows who he is. He knows he needs to be. And it gets him through tough situations. The Satine stuff again comes to mind. That's him going, I got to go. I got to return to what I know I can control and how I can go forward. Uh, not control in a Sith dark side way, but just what I know. Core principles again. What what what, what built me. Is yeah. Carry me forward. Yeah.
5: Just in that, in that big picture way, it's clear to say, I will never join you. And then we get on to uh, the uh, sick burn of an exit line, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> where after all of that uh, travel through uh, blatant lies, uh, half-truths, uh, uh, com- actual sincere appeal to join me, right back to exactly where he began this mm-hmm. gaslighting game of, well, I'm i'm not really in charge and he gets that great line it may be difficult to secure your release it's a a slightly different delivery there for you why is this such a great line what is the subtext of this what is
4: dooku really saying to obi-wan with this line uh it is i I talked about it's it's the mask of dooku back up or whatever that is Uh, it's it's not necessarily clutching pearls um um, but it is, it's is—it's toying with them, but it's like we they, we just had this pretty sincere moment, at least from our point of view here, like, join me, destroy the Sith. I've told you all these things. I told you the truth. I told you absolutely the truth, and when Obi-Wan doesn't bite, I do think it's Duku just saying, all right, well, you're dead.
5: <laughs> yeah, I think it is a very clever, gaslighting, passive-aggressive way to say, uh, I walked in here with join me or die, and I guess you pick die, idiot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I have come to really, really like that line. I think a lot of people do uh, mm-hmm. just that because it does feel like a button to the conversation. And it does feel like, uh, obviously, strategically in the moment, Dooku clearly has the upper hand. But it almost just kind of feels emotionally like he has the upper hand.
4: Yeah. And, and there's some weight to it. There's It's almost as if there's a, there's a moment when Christopher Lee kind of plays it as, as is the switch going back into whatever the role of, of of dooku was at the beginning of the scene but there's some like burying of the memories of qui-gon and what could have been and the jedi order and all just kind of like eh, yeah i'm not connecting with that i'm gonna kill you
5: yep yep there's that little sigh of maybe difficult to secure your release too bad you might have been awesome but nope I we'll never find out mm. uh heading to sort of a big picture wrap up here uh, we talked a little bit about this at the beginning, but I'm curious what you're feeling now. When Dooku walked into that room, you know what goals did he have, and did he accomplish them in
4: this scene? I, I think he, in terms of wanting or or confirming information or getting uh, things clarified uh, uh, as to what Obi Wan was here chasing a bounty hunter, how much do they know? All those things we talked about. I think he got. I think he got enough what he wanted in that regard, as far as getting Obi-Wan to join him, yeah, probably winging a prayer. I didn't even need that. So that, that I can do it without him. Um, So I think, I think for, for, for me, it was going back to the original thing of what Dooku's thoughts or problems were going into it. it it's like, ah, crap, this thing, this finally built, House of cards might be pulled <laughs> if this stupid Jedi is roaming around causing problems. And I think he learned enough to know that either one, I don't have to worry here. I have to worry about that. We'll combat that. Also I definitely need to kill this guy, which will probably force the hand. I, I I think I don't want to say he won because I think morally Obi-Wan stays true to himself and, and wins. If we're going to turn this into a weird competition, but I think Dooku, I think Dooku did. Okay. Brother walked out of there going, well, that went well.
5: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think one of his uh, goals was just, for himself, a read on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, are you as great as everybody says? Are you as much of an iconoclast as Qui-Gon was? That there might be an opening for me to get in there and manipulate you, and could I maybe turn you, or is it even worthwhile? Are you really a threat to me, or should I just, you know, uh, put you in an arena uh, faced with a monster uh, so the Jedi will come rescue you, as, as you said? And I think uh, this is why Dooku is a great villain to me. I think he walks away going, Obi-Wan's not a big deal. He's really not that great. I tried all these little chess moves on him. And he he pushed back here and there. But for the most part, he was just saying all the little, I'm a good boy Jedi BS. (laughs) And he's not that complex. He's not that great. I don't know what Yoda and Qui-Gon were talking about. I'm going to use him as, you know, a warm body to kill to get mm-hmm. the Jedi here.
4: And then someone would scream back at him, your overconfidence is your weakness. Exactly.
5: And then I think, you know, in the eventuality that he, that Obi-Wan actually does survive as he does, I think that that move of telling him the truth is, yep, yeah, a, a manipulation of Obi-Wan, but I think it's also really a manipulation of the whole Jedi Order. He, and I think that's, that's the biggest thing to me that actually does come out of this scene, mm-hmm. is he very successfully plants uh the suspicion and fear that the jedi are totally blind that sidious is that the whole war is somehow being orchestrated by a sith in some way but they don't know exactly who or where or how or what and part of the reason they spring the trap to try to figure it all out and i think a lot of that goes to him laying out this information and forcing the jedi to question whether or not it's true
4: yeah 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 the long the long play of uh getting the jedi to turn in on himself part of that type yeah, of, yeah, yeah i like that
5: yeah so like in by the end of the film it's it's relatively explicit you know both yoda and obi-wan uh end up seeing firsthand that yep dooku has straight up he's he's shooting uh uh finger lightning he is that's that's a sith move uh and then yoda basically tells obi-wan at the end of the film that dooku might be lying about sidious and the senate uh may suggest that they keep a closer eye on the senate and yoda it's one of my favorite yoda uh deliveries where he says i agree uh so they agree to keep a closer eye on the senate which means they've this mistrust that dooku wanted to plant is successfully planted what do you think obi-wan after all that by the end of attack the clones what do you think obi-wan is left thinking and feeling about this conversation this interaction with dooku
4: I think he's got a lot of quiet doubt about everything going on and now war's just begun and he's trying to do that thing and, and be a good general and then flash to some of the stuff with Satine coming up of poking at that foundation and hitting him with some hard truths. I think this can't, that, that, that exchange and that truth. And even in this moment where Yoda and, 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 you know, Mason, everyone are kind of like, eh, okay, yeah, but maybe he's lying about Sidious. Um, Obi Wan doesn't have any. I don't know. Does, he can't really counter that with no, no. Believe him, believe him, believe him, because I, I, I think he's still wrestling with it. So I think there's some now some quiet doubt settling into Obi Wan, even uh, not just about Dooku, Sidious, and the Senate, but about the Jedi Order. Not the type that's going to take him out of it, but it is. Who am I? What What am I fighting for? Who What do I? What am I doing? What's my purpose? Those Those bigger things that factor in Obi Wan's life. Yeah,
5: no, I agree. I think he, I think Obi-Wan continues to just try to uh, figure his way out of things and just be as straightforward as possible. And just like I'm going to I trust Anakin. I know he's having a hard time, I'm gonna, but I'm going to keep believing in him. I'm you know, going to keep uh, training him for a short amount of time before he becomes a, a Jedi and, uh, you know, Jedi Knight and, and my brother. But I'm going to you know stick by him and stick by this belief that he's the chosen one. Uh, yeah, war's not great, but that's what the Jedi have chosen, so I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do my job. I'm going to be a general. Uh, but I think, you know, Obi-Wan starts getting more shifty and more clever. And uh honestly, I think inheriting the legacy of Dooku and Qui-Gon more of of being a little bit more sly and clever and manipulative. So I think he, in some way, he, he grows a little bit. But this is a big, just kind of headcanon thing for me. I don't think it's explicit. I really like the idea that Dooku really, really successfully got into Obi Wan's head. Not in a way that Obi Wan would ever give in to the dark side. Not any sort of expose a, a, that kind of fear or weakness that can be manipulated that way. But instead, got into his head about Obi Wan being good enough. About did I fail Qui Gon? Did I not live up to being the great Jedi that Qui Gon thought I should be? And I think that there is something in that specific doubt which is why Obi-Wan can never really go toe-to-toe with Dooku. Dooku beats him in this fight at the end of Attack of the Clones. It's a very chess-like move of like, oh, which way am I going to, uh, you know, we're, we're, our sabers are, are pressed together and we're kind of pushing and pulling, which way am i going to go? And he, he successfully psychs Obi-Wan out. Uh, when they meet again in Revenge of the Sith, he gets taken out. And Obi-Wan's, you know, he's no slouch. He defeats Maul uh, Ventress can't touch him. He, he defeats Anakin, you know, and he defeats Anakin by being more, uh, clever and thoughtful. Uh, but he can never go toe to toe really with Dooku. Um, and I like to think it's because Dooku successfully got in his head about Qui-Gon.
4: Yeah. Um, I love that. Uh, that's the real world stuff of, uh like there's been examples of my life where, people in my industry are something who I'm, I'm I'm perpetually intimidated by only because our first interaction didn't go well for me. Like I, you know, felt embarrassed or fell out of my league, not on the same page as them. And that never left me, even though it might not be true. <laughs> you know, it's right. Just always in Obi-Wan's head. I and what you're saying here, I, I, I got to temper my expectations. But this of all the scenes in the prequels, I hope this has some lasting effect in the Kenobi series. If he's mm. sitting in the desert Going, man, how did I get here? And he goes back to this point and goes, ha, ah, maybe, maybe, maybe if I joined him, maybe if I believed him, maybe if I was stronger and st- told Yoda, no, no, I was there. I was in that room. I, I, I think there's some truth to this. Yeah, I, I hope there's some lingering effects for him.
5: Yeah, uh, I would love if they touched on it on Kenobi in Kenobi, the Kenobi show. Oh, man, that would be great. Um, final summary here big picture we looked at we looked at everything we looked at the motivations the the aesthetics the accents uh the gaslighting the chess moves we looked at it all in final summary what is this scene about to you what do you think its importance is to the skywalker saga or the lore of star wars in general
4: i think in terms of um lore of star wars to me the, the the legacy is kind of outside the story itself where it is this um and, and I, something I've talked about before, just like Star Wars asked you, who do you trust? Like, wh- wh- who do you trust? What's the story? And how do you react to temptation? How do you react to news that, that wavers you? And the big lesson that we talked about with Obi-Wan sticking true to who he is, um, because that's what he feels could save him and get him through. And, and, and often does that, you know, his head, he puts his head down and gets to work. That, that, that's what he does. So I think that there's an outside the story In, inside of it. It's Skywalker saga, uh big mistakes um uh, destiny past uh passive uh, of, uh different paths and choices in front of you uh if it could have could have gone a little bit different for Anakin if Obi-Wan did something here so there's that kind of big picture stuff too for me but I, I really love what this scene does outside of the story and what it does to us as an audience yeah that's great um
5: I think for me there's a couple things uh I think that specific way of discussing Padawans just puts it on the screen in such a big way the sort of the the strange family dynamic within the Jedi uh, you know who are uh, encouraged to care for everyone selflessly but are encouraged not to have an attachment and yet an attachment is built into their structure which is you know partially to train them to let go uh, but it's still there so there's this real reminder of this weird family dynamic within the Jedi I think it's a great reinforcement of what happens throughout the Skywalker saga of uh, the Sith's manipulation, that they tell half-truths, full-truths next to a lie, that they just absolutely cloud your judgment. Uh, Talk about the dark side itself clouding your judgment. It's easy to see how Dooku just one-on-one clouded Obi-Wan's judgment. Um, And then I think to take a step back into the uh, real world as you did, I think it's great to just have this scene in the middle of, you know, Attack the Clones is a great movie that has a ton of themes and ideas going on there's a part of it that leans into the B movie. It's, it's got a big romance. It's got a car chase. It's got a big scene in arena. It's got a shaky cam actual war. It's got, you know, Yoda, a strange green frog fighting with a laser sword. It's such a big, wild, weird film. And then in the middle of it is this quiet little scene. That's a strange psychological battle. Yeah. And I think that is just one of the one of the things that people gravitate toward the scene cuz it's a little different. It's just a little psychological battle. Mm, small, quiet, intimate,
4: and powerful.
5: Yeah, it sounds like the scene with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon or dinner at a nice restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, you might be manipulated. At the smokehouse here in yeah. Los Angeles. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, we always like to end things with a little bit of fun. So this is similar to a question that we talked about on the uh, on the Tuesday show. But if you could have a
4: drink with either Dooku or Obi-Wan,
5: who would you choose to have a drink with, Ken?
4: I think I'd have to go with Dooku. I've talked a lot about dining with Obi-Wan, going to Dexter's Diner, all those kind of things. I think he'd be uh, Obi-Wan would be a good... Guy to grab road food with if you're traveling to Vegas. Let's stop off here, and get a burger. Uh, Duku drink low lit bar. You mentioned the Smokehouse here in Studio City in L. A. Duku would be a regular at the Smokehouse. Old <laughs> sophistication from another time, and you could sit there and have a nice drink with him in the corner and talk about uh, the evilness of the galaxy that he's a part of.
5: Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, yeah. You know, I was going to try to pick Duku, but I couldn't. It's got to be Obi Wan. And in particular, most of the times when I think of sitting down and having a drink with Obi-Wan, I think about like, oh, what what could I learn from him? What stories could he have to tell me? When we go through this, I want to sit down, have a drink with Obi-Wan and say, don't let Dooku get inside your head. Let me give you a pep talk. (laughs) You are a great Padawan to Qui-Gon. He's so proud of you. You did great, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's what I want. A cocktail and a you did great, buddy with Obi-Wan Kenobi. boy. That is our big look. Uh, we went deep inside this scene where Obi-Wan met Dooku and Dooku met Obi-Wan for the first time, but not the last. We'll be doing more of these great scene-by-scenes and
4: we're going to be doing more polls, right, Ken? Yeah, absolutely. We'll update the poll on the Patreon page. We want to do do one of these about once a month is the goal of you know five weeks give us a little bit of room my friends but you know what i mean uh we like dive in deep and we need time to do it um but yeah patreon.com slash four centers where this poll was up this one again came in second to ray in the mirror cave and it was so close we just said let's just roll right into this one yeah exactly so we
5: rolled in and we are gonna roll out ken where can people find you and what other stuff do you have to plug
4: Oh, please go to catnapsack.com, get information on all the things I got going on. And uh, for baseball fans, I've been highlighting that I've launched a box score heroes, a baseball podcast feed with several different kind of shows on them. Some short form, some long form, some nostalgia, some dealing with current uh, baseball news. Uh, I am a very passionate longtime baseball fan. Star Wars came first baseball about a year later when it was too cool to not collect baseball cards, you know, you got it or you had to collect them to be cool. Uh, And the love has been there ever since. So we're going to celebrate it uh, just as I do star Wars on box score heroes.
5: Excellent. And then uh, for myself, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can check out all my other comedy adventures, my other podcast obsessed comedy albums, all that on my website at josephscrimshaw dot And of course, we have all of our great Four Center stuff going on. You can find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. Our Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. The podcast is of course available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, all sorts of places. You can get our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash four center and of course you can support us on patreon.com forcenter we're always making new plans over there that is it for this week for myself for Ken for duku and for glow light prisons this has been four center.